Hi, I want you to imagine 5.8 billion Kenyan shillings or the equivalent 600 million US dollars. How much can you possibly use that money for? Back in 1991, it was even more valuable. Imagine losing that kind of money back in 1991. That is the sum that we'll be talking about today in our story. Hi, welcome to the African Footprints podcast with me, Effie. And today, I want us to have a little chat about the Golden Bag scandal and the man, the myth, well, the legend in some people's stories, Kamlesh Patni. My Lord, may God forgive him for saying such things. Not true, my Lord. I think when we talk about the Golden Bug scandal, most of us, at least people my age, were probably too young or not yet born. So we didn't have an idea of what exactly was going on, but here's the gist. So the Golden Bug scandal was a scandal that rocked Kenya back in 1991 to 1993. And the people involved, one man named Kamlesh Patni, who had a Damascus moment a few years later and started a church under the name Paul. Well, seemingly not only Saul in the Bible could have a Damascus moment. Anyway, that's beside the point. So we have the man Kamlesh Patni and a few notable people in Moe's government as it was then constituted. The man set up a company by the name Goldenberg Limited. And this company was for the sole purpose of exporting valuable minerals like gold and diamonds out of Kenya and in return, bringing in foreign currency. Now here's the catch. Kenya has very negligible gold reserves. And I think, as far as I'm concerned, I only know of one in Kakamega. So where this gold was coming from, where it was going to, only heaven knows. And maybe Patni and the people involved. As the story goes, Patni met Kanyotu, who was then the head of the special branch unit in Kenya, in a tailor shop. Mushone Sutita Fadali. And when they met, Kanyotu, because of the position he held, had very information that could be very important, but Patni could not have access to, other than by his relationship with Kanyotu. The valuable information I'm speaking about is, the country was transitioning to 
a time where we are having more economic freedom and the government was just about to roll out an export compensation scheme. Now this is what the export compensation scheme was about. For anyone that exports goods out of the country and brings in foreign exchange, the country or rather the CBK, the exchequer, was supposed to issue them with a 20% compensation. Now, Patni being the smart and charming man that he is, negotiated a deal for himself with the Central Bank of Kenya and the then Minister of Finance, Mr. George Saitoti. And these are the three things Patni wanted. One, his compensation would be capped at 35%. That is 15% above what every other businessman in the export business would be getting. And just to put it to context, since we all calculate in our heads that the dollar exchanges for 100 shillings, at least until the economy got to where it is, if one dollar was exchanged for 100 shillings, Patni would exchange it for 135 shillings. Second, he wanted to make Goldenberg Limited a monopoly in that for the next 10 years, no one else was going to play at his game. No one was going to compete with him in the export business. And that means all the money was coming to him. Patni stood to make 200 million Kenyan shillings per month. Third, Patni and his counterpart Kanyotu, who I believe might have masterminded the Golden Bag scandal, set up a bank called The Exchange. And their third um, requirement was that all the money, all the transactions that were supposed to happen between them or between Golden Bag and the CBK, all the money was supposed to be transacted through the exchange bank. Now, this is the interesting thing, and I don't want to get legal or technical, but there are certain procedures and rules to setting up a bank, and there's a certain capital that is required, which is about a million shillings, a billion, sorry, which is required to set up a bank. Patney did not have a billion shillings, and two, his bank was not even really a bank, but it was approved. And the most amount of money that was, would pass through that bank was the money that was exchanged between Patney and CBK. Now back to our main story. Remember, Goldenberg was supposed to export gold and bring in foreign currency. Where was this gold coming from? This gold was smuggled from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And as it came in, the requirement was that you only needed to have papers to show that an export deal was happening. And once you have that, you can ask for compensation from the Central Bank of Kenya. Or rather, the Central Bank could also advance loans to facilitate the process. At the end of the day, there's money coming in, right? Patney decided to use this to his advantage. Sometimes he would even bring checks and fake papers to the Central Bank of Kenya. And that leads us to the hero in our story. A hero who, in my opinion, is unsung. A hero who should be talked about more often than we talk about the likes of Kamlesh Patni or Kanyotu. Our hero today is a young 23-year-old Maasai boy by the name David. David was an ambitious man, but because of how life is and where he came from, a marginalized community, so to speak, his only recourse was getting a small job and at least having a decent salary to survive. And that is what brought him to Nairobi. So at 23, he was a clerk, an entry position at the Central Bank of Kenya. And as a clerk, he used to just get papers and file them in their respective files. He would get the checks from Patney and process them so that it's taken to, this, uh, to the big people for the signatures. But something started seeming off. 
as more and more papers were coming in from Patney and his company and his bank as well, things started looking a bit off. Some of the checks were repeated. And one thing that was interesting, some of the money was just, you know, on paper. And that's it. There was no money coming into the exchequer. But Patney was claiming a 35% compensation through the export compensation scheme. Honestly, he was a smart man. I can't fault him for that. Now, this leads us to the other part of the story. The deal Mr. Patney had with the late president, Daniel Arap Moy. It was a time where Kenya was having some political heat and internationally there was the push to have multi-party democracy. And this meant that Moy's reign would either come to an end or he would win the election. Either way, he needed money and lots of money. So guess who was enlisted to help Moy make money? Mr. Patney himself. And there are two things. One, when Moy was retiring, he would have to provide a steady flow of income or if Moy was to remain in power, he was to provide a huge sum of money that was used to finance their campaigns. And as we have all seen, hopefully, the golden mafia, the gold mafia story on Al Jazeera, Patney in fact brags about how he's the one who financed Moy's campaign in the general election in 1992. This is a man who was there to make money by hook or crook. It doesn't matter who he stepped on. Anyway, back to our man David. When David realized there are some things that were a bit off about every transaction that was happening between the CBK and uh, the exchange bank owned by Patney, together with Goldenberg Limited, he raised an alarm. But this did not go down well for him. In as much as he was the whistleblower and what we now know as the Goldenberg scandal would not have been known without Mr. David and I think we would have lost even more money than the 5.8 billion that we're talking about. And just to mention, in 1991, that was about 10% of Kenya's GDP. 10% of our GDP lost to one man and his company and his cronies who just wanted to make money out of it. And they felt the best way to make the money was from the government. Anyway, we're told the government has money. Sindio, aside from that, when... Patney decided to go along with this scheme. Moi and the people in his government went along with it because there was money that they stood to gain. And the problem was Mr. David stood in the way of that. So guess what? The man was taken to prison simply for revealing information to the public that was private and confidential. Information about transactions in the Central Bank of Kenya that were not supposed to be known to the public. Now this is what I find interesting. In Kenya, everyone has a bank account. For example, you have your individual bank account, but there's one collective bank account for the entire country, and that is the exchequer at the Central Bank of Kenya. So that means the money that is there does not belong to an individual, but belongs to the state. Every tax collected from me and from you is in that bank account. So it's essentially a custodian for our money, money that's supposed to be used for our development, our roads, our healthcare system, our schools, feeding programs for kids, that's essentially where that money is kept. But a few selfish people felt, nah, this money is better off in our pockets. And that is what happened in the Golden Bug scandal. Sadly, 
for our hero David when he left prison. There was really nothing much life could offer him, so he went back home, would do manual jobs, and he ended up dying. Still, just that Maasai boy that was a whistleblower. But nothing much is said about him. And I'm sure some of you might be hearing about this for the first time, because all we know is there was a golden bag scandal. For Kamlesh Patni and men like Kanyotu, well, their lives went on fine. Like I said, Patni had a Damascus moment, opened a church which I wish I would have gone to just for the free food. But anyway, let's not talk about that. Lived their lavish lives, and the trial went on for decades. And in 2013, Patni was finally acquitted. Some of the men who were to stand trial with him died along the way. Some of them just, you know, vanished. Nothing happened. But what makes me sad is the fact that Mr. Patney did this in Kenya, went ahead and rebranded himself, then is doing the same, same thing in Zimbabwe. And this man is even bragging about how he knows dignitaries and important people in African countries, how he knows the who is who, how he's taken pictures with almost everyone. And it's honestly quite sad because as normal citizens, hustlers as we brand ourselves since the previous election, we work so hard to make ends meet. We work so hard to earn a living and some can barely survive in this economy. But someone could be able to steal that much from the government, steal enough money that could cripple Kenya's economy. Not alone, but with the aid of people we have entrusted with our money, people we have entrusted with our security, people we have entrusted with our life through the social contract. And as if that is not enough, Mr. Patton even vied for MP in Westlands. And I feel like there are people who would not mind if he was the MP because at the end of the day he would dish money, he had it after all. It is really something that irks me to the point that I really wish we could go back in time and punish these people severely for what they cost. It's sad that a chicken thief can be punished more than someone who stole 5.8 billion Kenyan shillings. And I want you to just think about that for a moment. That much money and the kind of people who stole it, and guess what? They are walking free and enjoying their riches. That's all I had for you today on African Footprints Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our social media pages, on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok, finally. And also just follow our podcast, which is currently available on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thank you and bye. Africa, a land rich in natural resources, wildlife and diverse culture. Historically seen as a dark continent, I think it's time we shed some light on the stories of people and events that have shaped our beautiful continent. Join me through this journey as we retrace our African footprints. Stay.